My name is Georgiana. I am CEO and founder of BeagleCat, and soon you will be listening to Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. In this podcast, I regularly talk to employer branding managers, talent acquisition managers, and human resources managers in tech companies in Germany, Romania, and the US. For more content on employer branding-related themes, go to employerbranding.tech or beaglecat.com. Stay tuned! Hi everyone, Georgiana here with Employer Branding the Inside podcast. This is the end of our fourth season. I hope I'm not mistaken and it's not the fifth. No, it has to be the fourth. The closing <laughs> guest this season is someone that I've been following on LinkedIn for a very long time. Someone that I admire a lot and that and, and who puts a lot of useful content on employer branding themes out there. So I'm super excited to have her with us today to share part of our, our of her knowledge with us. Her name is Anna Bertoldini and she is global head of employer branding at Nielsen IQ. Hi Anna, thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. I would like you first Anna to let us know what the global HR manager, the global head, sorry, of employer branding for such a huge company does. What what does your regular day involve? I'm really curious. Yeah, of course. So my role is global, although I sit in Barcelona, Spain, and mm -hmm. currently I'm leading our global employer branding and recruitment and marketing efforts at Nielsen AQ. So I'm actually quite new at the company. I've been here for a little over a year, and my role has really been to bring our EVP to life across our candidate journey and employee life cycle, as well as position NAQ as a top employer globally. So that goes for anything from reputation management, content development, employee advocacy, social media, recruitment, marketing, branding, etc. So it's a little bit of a mix, but a lot of it so far has been building our global employer brand. And now it's time to scale. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that means you went, you went into employer branding rather recently? No, you've been working in the field for quite a while, right? Yes, 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 yes. I've been in employer branding now for a few years, uh, but this is my most recent position in it. And it's one of the bigger challenges probably I faced in a really good way and an exciting way. <laughs> cool, cool. I'm, I'm sure everyone is curious, just as much as I am, to see how Nielsen IQ approaches employer branding. I know that maybe not everything can be... Um, told about how a company tackles employer branding, but I'm curious, what was it like for you working there in employer branding on the one hand, and then if there are strategies or I don't know, policies that you've implemented that, and that you feel have made a difference during your one year with the company? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So employer branding at NIQ is a strategic function. It focuses on optimizing and catering toward poor key client experiences and our clients and talent brand being candidates, employees, recruiters, right. and hiring managers. <laughs> so we okay. really aim to define and roll out our messaging on why you should work here, equip our recruiters and hiring managers with what they need to provide a positive and consistent experience to our candidates, but also empowering our employees with the knowledge and tools to tell mm -hmm. our story to the world if they wish to, of course. Um, 
A big project we're working on right now is to turn our EVP outside in. A lot of the external work has been done, so rolling it out um, externally once it was finalized at the beginning of 2022. Our EVP is quite new, so it's uh, I think now it's basically one year old. <laughs> so um, it's been rolled out externally. Your project, right? Your child project. Or how should I call it? It's my baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd call it my baby, although I wasn't I wasn't part of its development because I joined the company right when the EVP was finalized. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the company worked with an agency before and a part-time consultant, and then I jumped in when it was locked and loaded and ready to go. So my role was to really... Um, bring it to life. Um, and now the, the new challenge is to turn it outside in. So making sure we're internal first in our thinking and we're establishing a vibrant and engaging culture. So creating that excitement in our own people before mm-hmm. anyone else. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to me, employer branding really starts from within. So it's a super important for me because if your own people believe your brand, then everyone else will, and it will permeate on the outside. So that's going to be a big focus for 2023. Absolutely. And honestly, I think it's the focus that every company should take because mm-hmm. in the end, your own employees are your biggest brand ambassadors and your your biggest source of referrals. So absolutely, uh-huh. I think this is this is something yeah, people should should learn from from you guys. Um Anna, I checked your lin- LinkedIn a while ago, a longer time before we spoke for the first <laughs> and I, I saw that you read in no less than six countries. Wow, and you travel to 40 plus? Wow, more than 40 countries. Oof, that's impressive, <laughs> obviously. And you also talk a lot about storytelling. And I'm wondering, what makes a good brand story? And how, how do you localize it across so many different cultures? That is such a good question. So I think living in, in so many countries has been quite a ride because nothing was really planned in my life. I always just kind of went with the flow and grabbed okay. opportunities as they came. But that really taught me a lot about integration and having to really face different cultures and you know not just being exposed to them, but really having to understand them and adapt to them. So to me, a good brand story is one that creates a feeling of like me in its audience. And that means something different to everyone. It's about showing the world what your, why your brand is unique, what makes it unique in a way that engages people and highlights how the brand is both authentic and relatable. So to me, localizing it across different countries means making it relatable and inclusive to people in different markets, um, taking culture, language, and communication into account. So having a global brand story and guidelines is essential, but also leaving that room, especially if you work for a global company and, you know, you have a central global employer brand, it's very useful to leave room for flexibility and allow for local offices and teams and functions to adapt to to their audiences. So the local Mm -hmm. version, let's say, of your global brand guidelines should bring context, authenticity and perspective to a more centralized theme, which is your global brand narrative. Um, and that's really to cater to different audiences because a story can mean different things to, di- to different people and being able to localize and allowing that freedom um, in your local marketing, recruitment, hiring manager teams is essential in making sure that different candidates not just understand it, but also resonates with them. Well, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think the key here is um, context, actually. You know, mm-hmm. we work in in our agency in my agency we work with a lot of companies 
who come to Romania, for example, or to, to Germany and try to, um, you know, recruit people. Mm-hmm. And the ones who succeed are always the one who take what's been centrally developed in terms of employer brand and then, you know, approach it in a local way, mm-hmm. according to the local context. Whereas the others who are very stiff in their maintaining of the, um, the main global direction automatically fail. So it's, yeah, it's indeed context and, and, and looking at the culture in particular, I think is key to, to a company's success whenever mm-hmm. they're. Yeah. And a lot of times people rely on local agencies to create content and, um, and collateral and assets, right. And resources, materials. And that's great. If you have the budget to rely on local agencies yeah. to do that for you, that's amazing, but not every company and employer branding team has that kind of budget. So really, yeah, are really allowing for that flexibility, providing some some guidelines for people to follow, but then allowing them to have some room and flexibility to make any changes and adapt is going to be key um, so that recruitment teams can really have what they need to to yeah. really attract those different audiences and, and candidates. Indeed, indeed. And in the end, it's not, not, not even about working with agencies, it's just reaching out to the people working in certain hubs and asking them to contribute to towards the local employer brand for them. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm wondering, there's a lot of talk about storytelling in employer branding. Try to convey your brand in a story like matter, stories count, stories matter. We've heard it so many times. How would you bring these sentences or how would you approach this in a very concrete way? Do you have any tips when it comes to building your employer brand in a story-like manner? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. So I always say that culture is really hard to define. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, it's the culmination of special moments and experiences that people well, experience, feel within yeah. within your company. It's just, it's the combination of different stories of, of your people. And so bringing those moments to life and promoting them, the moments of pride, the traditions, you know, the wins, the failures, and the learnings your teams live and breathe each day is going to be key to that storytelling. Mm-hmm. So storytelling is really, to me, um, a way to create an emotional connection with your audience and foster empathy. It's that feeling, once again, of like me, that people want to be able to relate um, to those stories. So allowing your employees to speak up and um, allowing them to have to tell your story in their own unique voice is going to be key here in in doing storytelling. I mean, Yeah, like, for example, our main audience in talent branding, as I said, are candidates. And a lot of candidate decisions are driven by emotion across their journey. Logic obviously plays a part in their thinking, but ultimately emotion is what makes them make Mm -hmm. those decisions. Like, for example, when they see an ad and click on it, when they read a job description and want to click apply, and when they go through the recruitment process and want to accept the offer because they like the hiring team, that's because of the human and authentic way you portray your brand and your narrative and that's through people i agree um if we we step away from storytelling for just a little bit i'm wondering what's your take on employer branding being part of the hr department because Mm -hmm. i've seen it so many ways and in one of the last organizations that i worked in it was actually attached to marketing working with hr but into the marketing department so i Mm -hmm that companies approach it differently what what's your take on this confusion if i can call it that way 
Yeah, and I've heard HR marketing in so many different contexts. And uh, let me tell the world out there, employer branding is not an HR initiative. Effective employer brand building is just as vital to the success of a company as corporate brand building. It's not simply an HR initiative, but it's a vital piece of the overall business strategy. So when I hear HR marketing, sometimes I'm like, no, that that's not that's not that's not right. Also because yeah. employer branding can sit in many teams. Often, not always, it does sit within HR. So it's it's a very interesting and hybrid role. But let's say if it sits within HR, sometimes um, it sits within talent acquisition, and it feels like we're on a little lonely island in talent acquisition or another HR function. So that's why some people think it's an HR initiative and call it HR marketing. Um, But employer branding is really so much more. And another Mm -hmm. piece is that an employer brand professional, manager, head of, can own the employer brand, influence it, and drive initiatives for it and strategies, but ultimately everyone owns the employer brand and how it's perceived both internally and externally is up to the whole company. Everyone plays a role in it, in the perception of the organization from the recruiter who's speaking to the candidate for the first time, the frontliners, to the moment the person enters the company and they, you know, enter a team and how they're treated. And then ultimately up until the moment they leave and how the person is treated once they're exiting the company, every Mm -hmm. touch point is an employer brand touch point and an opportunity to make or break a person's experience. So I, I'd say it's limiting to call it an HR initiative and say it's a company initiative and it's really, really vital to the business success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, and if we, if we were now to leave the theoretical field aside for just a little bit, I'm wondering how are you as an employee happy or why are you as an employee with Nielsen IQ happy? Mm-hmm. What makes you proud to be part of that team? Absolutely. So NIQ makes me happy because essentially I love the people I work with. Ever since I had my first interview with NIQ back in 2021, I felt like the team was special. Um, I was always treated with kindness and respect and I felt like everyone was very enthusiastic about the both the role and the challenge ahead. And that's been absolutely confirmed once I joined. It's a nice mix of people here who have been at the company for many years in some cases, since the Nielsen years, and new people who bring in fresh perspectives. So I never feel like I'm the smartest person in the room, which is really important to me. And a lot of the people I work with are approachable, talented, and full of ideas. Employer branding, my work in general, is very collaborative. So I work with a lot of different teams within the organization. And I find that in this company, people are willing to get involved, help, and bring new ideas. There's also a lot of honesty, and people aren't afraid to respectfully voice their opinions, which um, is really important to me. I also feel like I can do that if I don't agree with something or if I have a new idea, I want to try something different. People are always willing to listen, even though the company has been around for decades. Um, This year, the company actually turns 100 years old. So... Yeah, it's been around for, I didn't give any information about the company, by the way, but yeah, Nielsen IQ, well, Nielsen and then now Nielsen IQ has been around for that long. So you'd think that a company would be stuck in its ways, but we're new and very excited to reinvent ourselves, which is amazing. And um, and then finally, the company's values are also in line with my personal ones. Integrity, responsibility, passion, 
we value ownership, inclusivity, and new ideas. In my work, I feel like I have an impact because I work on a number of different projects that are very visible and they keep me engaged and stimulated every day. So it's, it's really awesome. And I feel like my work is connected to the overall business strategy. And you, you know what, Anna, I think you can absolutely see it. And we and I can absolutely see it on LinkedIn that you love what you're doing and you're learning while you're doing and you're sharing it with us. And I'm super grateful for that. And I'm happy to hear that in the end, it all boils down to how the people in the company make you feel. This is fantastic. The, but the more I speak to people and the more I work in employer branding, the more I realize that a good employer brand is going to be, of course, about the mission of the company, the vision, the projects that you have to work on. But ultimately, it's the people. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. That's what makes it or breaks it. 100% agreed. <laughs> yes, yes. So we're, we're approaching the end of this discussion. Um, Anna, I cannot not ask you the question that I've, that I've been asking all my guests these past four, three months, uh, four or five months, sorry, since the layoffs have started. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what your take is on what is happening um, all over the world, I would say. It's not just mm -hmm. Europe, it's not just the US anymore. Mm -hmm. And then after that, if you have, I'm wondering, do you have any concrete tips for the candidate experience that a company can look at? And then maybe also for the mm -hmm. candidate approaching the market in these very delicate moments. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, I think there are two parts to this question. So I'll start by saying that infusing more humanity has become more vital than ever. So for the candidate experience, for example, uh, the human touch is still an essential part of the recruitment process. I mean, recruiting, after all, is a people business. Technology and HR has helped immensely because recruiters have a lot more tools and automation to help in their processes and make sure they free up time to do more strategic work. And at the same time, the candidate experience is highly digital and lacks more human contact. So what candidates need is ultimately more communication and human interaction to make them feel positive about their experience. So. Mm -hmm that human touch is absolutely needed in during the uh, recruitment process and to provide a good candidate experience and answer any important questions that they may have regarding what's happening and you know what plans the company has. And on the other hand, layoffs are heartbreaking. No one wants to be or is immune to being impacted. No one. This process needs more humanity as well. Because the thing is, um, in my opinion, employees get it when there's a layoff. It's terribly saddening. Yeah. And it really truly is. But for the most part, people understand it. It's part of business. They get it. What actually upsets people is not when a layoff happens, but it's how it happens. Mm -hmm. Impacted employees go through similar trauma, but their opinion of who you are as an organization now and forever will depend on how you treat them. The more respect, support, and humanity you show them during tough times, the better. Yeah. These people have helped you build your business, if you think about it. Your employees are your number one and best asset it's inevitable to say goodbye, do in a way that shows how much you value their loyalty and contribution. Some people will leave feeling looked down and others as proud alumni. It really depends on how you treat them throughout the whole process. Yep, exactly. And you know what? I was talking about this topic yesterday with someone who works in talent acquisition and who was always mm -hmm. part of these layoffs. And we, we agreed on the fact that once you've been laid off in this way, you become... You, you change your entire attitude towards being part of a team, towards being mm -hmm. by a company. And I think what these organizations fail to understand is that 
this is going to cause general harm on the yeah. long run. People yeah. are not going to feel, you know, a part of a team. They're just not going to be the way they were before. I don't know Absolutely. And it's also the case of survivor's guilt, too, for the ones who do stay. Yes. There's a lot of anxiety. Yes. And so it's really about communicating transparently as much as possible with people and understanding that it, they're tough times and tough decisions sometimes have to be made. But the way that you do it and how you treat people is really what people will remember overall. Exactly. Exactly. Again, yeah, it boils down to empathy, to a bit of compassion. And yeah, mm-hmm. not just money. It's not just about money. Indeed. Anna, thank you so much for talking to me today. I would advise everyone to follow you on LinkedIn, of course, for all the amazing content you put out there. Are there any other channels they can find you on? Um, I think pretty much uh, all of them. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Xing. If anyone is out there from the DAC region, you probably know it. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so that's where you can reach me. But thank you so much for having me here. It was really amazing for me to be able to take part in this podcast. I know we've had a lot of great guests so far, and um, I really appreciate being here. And thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye.